This is your Thursday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. How's everyone doing out there today? Plenty to get to on today's show in just a little bit. I'll be joined both by uh, Star Tribune, Minnesota United beat writer Jerry Zagoda and Minnesota United midfielder Will Trapp for a Minnesota United season preview of sorts. They play their first game on Friday, first game of the season in Seattle. Home opener uh, a little over a week from now, but uh, exciting season for the Loons coming up. They they had the, uh, the you know the big year last year, came very close to making it to the MLS Cup final. We will see if they can take another step this season. But first, what did I miss? I hope you missed the Twins game. Um, Twins games, I should say. Um, they, 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 they got two losses for one yesterday. Those seven-inning doubleheader against uh, Boston. Falling in both of those games, like three to two, and then uh, seven to one, I think was the final score in game two of that doubleheader. Five and seven on the season now, five game losing streak. So right at the jump here, I want to talk about what is wrong with the Twins, or maybe a better question: Is anything really wrong with the Twins, or is this just a kind of a blip on the radar? And there's a couple different ways you can look at it, right? One way is that they've kind of had some bad luck. They, the, you know, a bunch of their losses have been close. Um, if you look at their expected wins, they should be 7-5 and five right now. They've outscored opponents this season by 12 runs uh, over the span of 12 games. Usually that adds up to a, a better record than 5-7. and seven. The problem is they've lost a lot of close games. I think they're 2-6 and six in games decided by one run or two runs. And one of those games, of course, coming yesterday in uh, game one of that doubleheader against Boston, the 3-2 loss. So... Got to decide, you know, and they've had a lot of blowout wins too, what, 15 6, 10 2, 8 2. So, you know, a lot of their wins have been lopsided. A lot of their losses have been close. Even that 7 1 game yesterday was close uh, because it was, they would have had 1 0 in the fifth inning, and that's only a, a seven inning game. So that feels like, you know, 1 0 in the seventh inning of a normal game. So part of the problem is they've been, you know, they've been bitten by baseball's weird rules. You know, that's, that's not an excuse. It's just a, it's just a fact, right? They've lost three games in these weird, extra inning 10 inning games they've lost two games in these seven inning double headers everyone's got to play by the same rules i'm just saying those are not you know real those aren't real games to a certain degree but they count the same in the standings uh, at least the official standings they count the same but bigger picture i think the thing that i would say at this point is the twins greatest strength is also potentially their biggest flaw i would say what i mean by that is they they do pretty much everything well and we've talked about this on the podcast before a couple different times. But if you look at, you know, I think the statistics so far this season bear this out. You know, people are mad at various aspects of this team. Well, you know, team batting, they're fine. They're like ninth in batting average. They're seventh in OPS in the majors. Um, you know, all of their hitting stats are pretty well up there. They're in good shape. That way they get on base. They've scored five runs a game on average. So, you know, the offense hasn't necessarily been the problem as a whole. Same with pitching. Pitching ERA is top 10. You know, bullpen ERA has been fine. I think they're 10th or 11th in bullpen ERA. Starters ERA is even better than that. Um, fielding, they're okay. Um, the, the defense has been fine. They've made some critical errors, but overall they haven't made a lot of errors. I think they're fifth in the American League in errors this season. So you add it all up, nothing, not one thing is going particularly wrong. You know, they've had some meltdowns in the bullpen at inopportune times. But if you look overall, statistically, they've been a pretty good team. But that's also their flaw. They don't do anything exceptionally well. And I think that can hurt you in a close game. I think that can 
as much as that can keep you in almost any game, and they've been in pretty much every game they've played this season, uh, it can be a detriment when a game gets close. You don't have that one thing that's just going to carry you over the top and take you to a win. Now, what I'm trying to decide is, is this just a small sample size? And they do have players like that. They are going to have a player that's going to get that clutch hit. They are going to have that shutdown bullpen arm. They are going to have that starting pitcher that says, you know what? We're pitching more than four and third innings today. We're going to go deeper into this game and take this game by storm. I don't know yet. I tend to think that they're going to be okay. I tend to think this is a, a blip and not something to really panic about. But at five and seven right now, it sure doesn't feel good. Let's talk about the Wild quickly. It's the jump here, too, because otherwise uh, we wouldn't be talking about many wins lately. Uh, Wild 5-2 over Arizona on Wednesday afternoon, a game where everything seemed to kind of click. They get Marcus Foligno back. The goaltending from Cam Talbot is good. The power play is good. Um, kind of everything we talked about on Wednesday's show with Sarah McClellan came to fruition. The chemistry looked good. No deals at the trade deadline, but this still looks like a team that is going to wind up in the playoffs and, you know, from there, Bill, Bill Guerin said it the other day, you know, there's a lot of evenness in this league right now. It's pretty flat across the board. You know, you get to kind of size up your opponent and see where you can get. So I still like this team. I, I think they're, you know, probably a year or two away from being as good as they're going to be. But a, a good win on Wednesday to kind of get them on track and see how they really feel like they can play with Marcus Foligno back in the lineup. I'm Nyla Jean Myers, Senior Assistant Sports Editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. It's Minnesota United preview show today. Jerry Zagoda joins me right now, covers the loons for the Star Tribune. Opener Friday night in Seattle. Um, Jerry, how you doing? Good, good. I feel like we need that kind of sound effect, like a loon in the background. Can you do that? I, I can try. Um, uh, we'll we'll see. I, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's some good loon calls out there. Maybe uh, you know maybe I don't think for copyright purposes I could play Wonderwall, but uh, you know for for other reasons uh, you know maybe we can we can mix in some sound effects. Um, I'm excited for this year. I, I got um, you know as a lot of people maybe know I covered a decent amount of soccer back in the day when this was the Minnesota Thunder. Um, you know, that was when that was the pro team in town. That was a, you know, a, a step below major league soccer. Um, and then, you know, Minnesota United comes in into the MLS and, you know, the first couple of years feels a little bit, a little bit like a test run. They're still playing at TCF bank stadium. They don't maybe have the, you know, the best roster you know, and they make the playoffs in 19, but last year, you know, even in the pandemic with the weird year, just getting Reynoso into the mix boosted my interest level in this team both just casually and professionally and I think that maybe has happened for for other people as well so Jerry maybe off right off the bat here I want to to get your your thoughts on you know kind of year two of Reynoso and you know the the, the supporting cast around him can he you know where is he in this market and his transcendence and in this league and you know can he get even better this year uh, based on how good he showed he can be, uh, you know, at the end of last year? Well, that is the question. You know, he comes in and he, and he's uh, uh, plays what, maybe 12 games comes in end of August plays September, October, November gets him within a minute basically of the um, MLS cup. And now with a full training camp, that's question. Can he be better? They've gone out. Uh, they've already signed one guy, a striker to go uh, Argentinian to play with them. I think another one's coming on the left wing. So I think there's going to be, I don't think he, he's. I don't think uh, that a guy who's uh, coming next in the signing has played with Reynoso like uh, Juan Chope. We got to decide how, how we're going to call the new guy by his nickname or 
or wand chop, I guess, is when he played in England. But, uh, you know, uh, they, they've gone out. They're getting guys to play with them. Um, certainly the talent level has gone way up. And, uh, you know, usually, usually a team, when they make kind of a, a burst ahead last, like they did last year, they got within a, a minute of the MLS Cup. A lot of times the next year they kind of take a step back. But they've gone out and, you know, added some players and uh, spent some more money and, um, you know, really have kind of bolstered this uh, roster in just about every position where there's at least probably two guys, sometimes three at every position. They've gotten, um, you know, a couple players in their their uh, 30s, uh, a couple guys coming in their, in their mid-20s. Um, so they've got really kind of a nice mix of things. Now we'll see how Adrian Heath puts it all together. It's hard too, you know, because of those first years of, of MLS, it was maybe hard for myself or other, you know, supporters of the club to be patient as they were kind of like, well, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to take shortcuts. We need to kind of build this thing up. But you're right. Now that they've had some of that success, made the postseason two years in a row, made that playoff run a year ago, now you are starting to see some of those pieces come into place. And we were talking before the the segment started, they, they've got a lot of new players this year, a lot of new faces, especially for a team that had the level of success it had last year. Right. Yeah. I mean, I was just going down and, and, and counting them on my list and there's at least 12, maybe one or two more. Once they're all done, they've got basically two more signings, I think coming that they haven't announced yet. Uh, but you know, they've added a couple, they traded up to get a couple draft pick guys who had, had injuries and they saw a sort of top 10 talents and they got, got them in the draft, you know, 17th and 18th overall. Um, they went out and got a couple veterans. They got a guy like Callum Montgomery, who was a fourth overall pick in the league, uh, maybe three years ago and never really busted into the Dallas system. And, and, uh, I don't even think has played an MLS game, but certainly had talent the year. I mean, he was taken ahead of the year that the loons took Dane St. Clair and, uh, uh, Hassani Dotson. So, the, you know, some people thought it had some, some talent and, you know, the guys like, uh, Juan Agudelo and, uh, Nico Hansen, guys who've been in the league, you know, who are, um, depending on injuries, you know, the, the, or you know, they just got the depth now where if you're going to have um, players going away to international team duty, you know, they're not going to have so many holes coming, you know, waiting for those guys to come back from overseas. Yeah, for sure. And as we, you know, we've seen some training, we've seen some, you know, early preseason matches. We watched them last season. Do you have a sense yet of, identity of this team short of you know this is you know attack built around Reynoso what what when we see them on the field for the first time what what do you imagine we'll see I don't, I don't need you to get super technical like formation wise but like what what do you think will be the identity of this team once once they get settled in well I think as you said I think a lot of it will be Reynoso I mean a lot of it's going to be built the attacks going to be built built around him you know but they've gone out and got other guys like uh, I think you talked to recently Will Trapp a uh, guy for that number six position um, where um, Ozzy Alonso's played the last couple of years and Ozzy, Ozzy's back, but, you know, he's 35. So how much, or um, I'm sure he'll still play well, but uh, they went out and got a guy who Adrian Heath just com- completely uh, praises as uh, calls him a continuity player, a possession player. So, um, you know, they're, they're a team that's kind of strengthened all over the place, but I th- all over the, the pitch, all over the field. But I think um, it's really going to be Reynoso's, uh, a team, particularly if he can pick up and take it another notch from where he left it off last year. Even if he's merely as good as he was last year, I imagine his recognition level within the league and in this market will, you know, will only continue to grow because he was, you know, playing at, you know, let's be honest, a pretty close to an MVP level, I would say, uh, from from what we saw towards the end of last season. How much 
you know, you, you've covered a lot of different sports, a lot of different teams in this market. You know, how much does that matter when it comes to just kind of the boost it gives a team, but also, you know, recognition within the casual fan, you know, capturing the an imagination of the casual fan when you have someone who is, you know, a, a transcendent type of player and maybe can become a superstar in a league, um, you know, as opposed to just having a good team. Well, it's two things. One, it's, you know, there is a crossover factor there to try to attract people who aren't really interested, who wouldn't probably really pay attention to a loons game. And you do that one by being as good as he is, but two by establishing a history in the playoffs, you know, if they can take the other step, get to an MLS cup, win, win an MLS cup, you know, the next year or two, I think he's signed for another three years, maybe four. Um, now the question is, does he ever get too good where they can't, can afford not to keep him? you know, terms of a transfer but uh, I don't think they have to worry about that right now but uh, you know he needs to be the player he was last year maybe even a little bit better and you know if they, they need to get back in and and I think if you get to an, another playoff run with him in a full season then there start to be some buzz and I think you start to get people who wouldn't normally come or at least not be the you know the season ticket holders who are interested and will watch um, you know even if maybe they're good enough where you won't be able to get a ticket at Allianz. There were some expectations, I think, coming into last season, you know, because they had made the postseason the year before that. That said, you know, the the weird, the, the pandemic season, the it was not a normal year by any stretch, you know, but the way they finished has created, I would say, you know, heightened expectations. Just looking at MLS, you know, the MLSsoccer.com, you know, preseason power rankings, they're number five in the whole league right now in terms of where, you know, at least that's, a, you know, one, one projection of how good they can be and should be. How, how do you think... A, do you agree with that? And B, how do you think this team is equipped to handle, you know, expectations and or success? Well, the one thing uh, Adrian talks about is, you know, playing under pressure. And I think by getting two guys um, who have played, you know, at, at Boca Juniors, um, which is a really high level, first division, Argentina, uh, this guy, they, they, I think they, we got a signing coming pretty soon, this uh, Franco Fragapani. He's also played not, uh, he was in the Boca system, but before, um, I think on the reserve team before uh, Reynoso and Manchope got there. But, uh, you know, has played in the first division, actually played, I, I think he plays now for um, Reynoso's hometown team. But those guys have played, as he says, you know, in, in the biggest pressure cooker, you know, you can get a place called the Bombonera in, in Buenos Aires. So, you know, they've got guys where now there's a certain pedigree. There's a, a, a big step up and, and, uh, Another guy I think they're signing, I'm not sure if it's going to come here before the opener or maybe a, a little bit later on as we get into the season, but uh, a player from France, uh, I'm going to probably butcher his name again too, but Andre Anu, who um, is a striker, I guess can play attacking midfield, but he's also played first division, sort of a quality up there with uh, Roman Metonier and uh, Devasi. And, uh, you know, they just got guys now who have been through it before. Uh, bunch of, a couple of those guys are, you know, 26, 27, uh, Metonaires and Debassi are getting up there probably 30, 31, but uh, guys who have played at, at higher levels than they've had before. So uh, I think that would bode well for being able to handle the pressure. I was talking to Reynoso yesterday for a story I'm doing for for um, Friday and just asking him about, you know, just the complete difference. Uh, Juan Chope, when he arrived here, said, you know, playing in Argentina at Boca Juniors is 24-7. You can't get away from it. And here Reynoso can walk around wherever he wants to and nobody knows who he is. Yeah. And, you know, another interesting factor this year too, will be, you know, these players 
for all their lives were used to playing in, in packed stadiums last season, you know, no attendance. Um, you know, this year we'll start to kind of get back into that a little bit. United has its home opener a week from Saturday. You know, have they talked at all about just the, the expectation level of, you know, returning to some fans in the stands and, and what, you know, what that means to this season? Well, just ho- hopeful, you know, uh, even if it's going to be maybe, what, 4,000 to start with, uh, that could change as, as the year goes on and, uh, you know, people get vaccinated and all that stuff. But certainly the uh, interesting thing is, you know, um, Reynoso so good and nobody here has seen him play in person yet. Right. Just the fact you even get 4,000 people. I know they had a little bit of a snag when they put their tickets on sale the first day. I think they've got that resolved a little bit. There doesn't seem to be as much screaming on Twitter from fans over it, uh, uh, you know, whatever the number, uh, however many people they allow in the wonder wall, you know, it's, it's going to be a, a, a change and uh, everybody that you talk to over there, is just, they don't care, guess the number, they just get people in there and let's see what it feels and sounds like. Looking forward to the season starting. Jerry Zagoda, good stuff. Appreciate you joining Daily Delivery today. And I'm sure we'll talk a lot during the season as well. Uh, we'll talk later. Thanks, Jerry. One of those new players Jerry's a go-to reference is Will Trapp, a midfielder, played a lot uh, in Columbus, played for Miami last season. Really good guy, had a good good chance to get to know him, uh, chatted with him the other day. So here is Will Trapp and his perspective as an outsider coming into this team and what is what they will bring to this season. Happy to be joined by one of the newest members of Minnesota United, Will Trapp, on Daily Delivery today. Will, how are you doing? Great, Michael. Excited to be here. Season opener on Friday out in Seattle. Um, you know, a lot of new faces on this team. You certainly, obviously, are one of them. When you, you know, been just reading about how it came to pass that you were, you know, that you signed with the Loons, it seemed like they were they came at you pretty fast and and pretty aggressively. Like they they made it feel like they wanted you from the jump. Um, how much does that play into? a decision-making process when, when you do have a choice of, you know, where you want to go and play. I think it's huge. Uh, I think you want to go where you're wanted more than anything. Uh, ultimately playing for a team, playing for a club uh, and a coach that, that desire you as a player is super important because that tends to spell that it's going to fit who you are as a person, who you are as a player and all those things. So it was a, a fairly easy decision for us as a, as a family and me individually as a player to, to move into this space and to play for now this team as a defensive midfielder. I mean, that always has, you know, how has always kind of struck me as I mean, underappreciated might be the wrong word, but it's almost like one of those positions where you notice it more when it's lacking than when it's going well, that it's almost kind of seamless sometimes when it's, when it's, when it is going well, but I'd like to hear from you, someone who does play the position, how do you approach it and how do you think it is viewed? Yeah, I mean it's it's one of those positions that's subtle more than anything. Um, subtle in the in the sense of stat sheet contributions and those ter- sorts of things. But when it comes to the fluidity and the connection, I would say of a team, um, it's integral and and it's something that I I really enjoy about. As I've uncovered and learned more about the game of of soccer, it's it's very fun to play this position. And um, yeah, for me, I found that 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 little bit of, like you said, what, when it's lacking, it's noticeable when it's, when things are going well, it just seems like the machinery is, is operating as it should. Given it, given that it's that type of role, is it take a while to get chemistry with, with teammates? Have you been able to feel like, you know, with the amount of training you have, have had so far, 
that you're in sync with with you know with the starting eleven, or do you feel like there's going to be some some adjustment as you get to play these matches for real now? Well, I think what was great for me was um, because of how the courtship happened with um, Minnesota United in the off season, I was able to watch a lot of the games um, and and see the playoff run, albeit unfortunate how it ended, um, and really kind of be able to visualize myself within the group um, and as it's transitioned out to being obviously through preseason, it's just been something where I feel like um, the guys have been incredibly receptive um, and, and Adrian as well and the staff just being very um, helpful for me getting to know and learn the guys as well as what's expected, but then ultimately getting on the field and then being able to forge those connections and that chemistry. And I think it's gone fairly well so far. The preseason for us was fairly successful, albeit, preseason's preseason and really we want to just see how friday shapes up and then moving into the rest of the season you know uh you know having had a chance now to train and and like you said watch some of their you know the matches from 2020 what's your impression of the overall roster seems like there's a lot of talent here and you know obviously you know we know about reynoso just your impressions of what you've seen from other players that are going to be around you yeah i think the first thing i noticed was the the quality of the group as a whole as well as the connect like the connection and the feeling of the culture of the group um guys actually enjoy being around each other and actually enjoy training and working and um there's a competition and that's necessary for professional sports but there's also a good spirit amongst the group across across all positions and i was very thrilled and excited to be a part of a group that's humble that works hard um, and, and wants to continue to learn and, and progress from where they were last year. Um, yes, guys like Emmanuel and uh, Robin Ludd, who had a standout year last year as well, Ethan Finley, the attacking group, have shown tons and tons of potential and, and quality, and I think we've only just gotten stronger from a year ago. You know Ethan pretty well, right, from your days in Columbus, is that right? Yeah, Ethan and I played together five or four and a half, five years in Columbus. Um, so yeah, very close friends, so fun to reconnect with him and, um, be in a, obviously a different place, but still have the same connection. So that's been a, a really fun one for me and helped me kind of get my feet under me pretty quickly. You know, you, you coming in and, you know, ostensibly maybe not, it's not honestly a one for one substitution, but you, you know, you're going to play a role that Ozzy Alonso has played a lot in recent years. He's still on the roster. Does that create complications how do you how do you kind of adjust to a roster where you know the, the spot you're taking is the, is still the person is still here essentially yeah I mean it's ultimately all you can do as a soccer player is go out train work hard and then when you have your opportunities to play games you, you play well um, and there's nothing I can say outside of the respect I have for Ozzy his career his success here in Minnesota as well as in Seattle I mean he's someone that I still look at as as a huge benchmark for the position um, across the league and um, watching him every day in training, I'm picking up things as well, which has been fun. So it's, it's the coach's decision ultimately. Um, But we as players, I think have, have adapted to the competition aspect very well. You have a lot of playoff experience, including the, you know, a run to the MLS cup final in 2015. I think people tend to can overrate that experience that said, this is a team that got, really close to that spot last season. Did you get a sense that that was, you know, a a key selling point that you're someone who has been in those pressure situations and can handle those things, you know, dating back to, you know, appearances with, with Columbus and, you know, along those lines. Sure. Sure. I mean, I think the aspirations of this group are to, 
to move past the the level that they were at last year. And that's obviously making it to an MLS cup and hopefully winning the MLS cup. But um, anytime you add experience to a roster, as well as um, guys that have been in those positions, I think it bodes well for the group just because you can, you can find your footing more easily when the pressure situations come up. And as well as I think there's a good group of leaders already within this, this team that um, are able to usher along the young players um, that maybe don't have that experience. You know, the year after you went to the, the cup final with Columbus, what, what did that year feel like? I'm sure there's heightened expectations. There's an urgency within a group when that happens. Do you remember much about that season and, and how did it feel differently? And, and will the loons feel differently this year? Do you think because of how close they got last year? Yeah, I think it's, it's a balance. Um, it's a balance in the sense of you can't sit there and, and, just automatically assume that because we were so close that it will happen once again. Um, the, the level of effort and focus and application for the group will need to be even more um, than it was last year. And I think for our group in 2016, after um, losing an MLS cup, I don't think we did a very good job of, of realizing how hard it is to get there. You know, I mean, taking things for granted was a big issue that we had that, that season. And um, I don't think, I felt that at all from this group this year in preseason, but it was definitely something that I, um, I went through and struggled through as, as a teammate in 2016, because now you feel, Oh man, we're, we were so close. We lost two one and we gave up two poor goals early on in that MLS cup. Um, Now it's just, all we have to do is just keep doing what we were doing and we'll be back. And that's not the case because teams get better every single year and they reload and, continue to improve and that's what this group will have to do again a couple more things for you one is you know maybe a hard question since you haven't even played a regular season match yet but you know just through you know knowing what this roster has you know some of the early season training do you have a sense yet for what this team's identity will be or you know what will when things are going well for this team what will what will be driving that yeah good question i think there's a, a, a stiminess of the group um, to, to be difficult to play against, whether it's with the ball or without the ball. Um, that was a hallmark of a year ago. But even more so, I think when this group's playing well, it's, it's on the front foot attacking um, and, and going at the opponent. It's not relaxing. It's not sitting back, resting on any laurels. And it's involving danger players in dangerous positions. So getting a guy like, like Reynoso in danger spots to create, getting guys like Robin Lud and Ethan Finley running off of him where he can be at his best connecting and finding passes. All of those things will, will bode well for the group. And if we're doing them, we will be, I think, a fairly successful, if not very successful team in this, in this season and, and make a run at what we want. Well, I got to ask you too. I understand you uh, had some, uh, a, a fine singing performance in the, uh, in Orlando, is this? Uh, w- w- can you tell me a little bit more about that? Because I-, I have to ask that because Eric Durkee, your wonderful uh, PR manager, uh, jumped in and uh, and had to had to mention that to me before we got started. Yeah, Dirk's threw a little grenade for me to fall on here. Um, we have a. It's pretty common amongst all teams I've ever been on. Is if you're a new player, um, there's kind of a talent show that you have to go through. And ever since I was little, I mean the trap family, the Von trap family singers was kind of our, our mode to, to follow, I guess. Um, my dad always jokes that we were the stable boys for the actual Von trap family, but, uh, <laughs> I've been decently inclined with being a singer 
Um, my sister and brother are actually significantly more talented than I, but yeah, it, it comes out when those talent show things have to happen. What did you sing? Will you, can you tell me what you sing? I don't, I'm not, uh, not going to put you on the spot and make you sing it necessarily, but thank you. Thank you very much. Um, it was, I always go acoustic. I don't like to do music just cause I like to kind of riff a little bit. I did an uncle cracker song, follow me, which is, um, super easy and got the, got the guys involved with it as well. So tried to play up the, the crowd here. Um, but yeah, they seem to enjoy it. It was fun. I mean, all the guys, you can see some people sweat and some people nervous Some people really just go for it. So it's always a good team building thing. Awesome. Well, maybe you'll steal the show again uh, this season. We'll see. Uh, first game Friday in Seattle. Will Trapp, thanks so much for joining me today and good luck the rest of the season, okay? Appreciate it. Let's end with the cooler. WNBA draft Thursday night. Lynx have drafted the rookie of the year in back-to-back drafts. Nafisa Collier a couple of years back with the number six pick and Crystal Dangerfield with the number 16 pick in the 2020 draft. Can they do it again? Hard-pressed to think they will just because the draft position is number nine. I know they got it out of the number 16 pick last year in the second round, but that's unusual in WNBA+. Plus, Cheryl Reeve is also kind of telegraphing that it doesn't seem like this player is going to play a whole lot, but you never know. They've had great success drafting in the last couple of years, so we'll see what they wind up with with the number nine pick in the draft tonight. Gophers women's volleyball plays Georgia Tech in the second round of the NCAA volleyball tournament. I'm completely disoriented. I've covered this tournament a bunch of times in the past, including a trip to the uh, championship match in 2004. Um, but I, I just the fact that they're playing volleyball championships in the middle of April, I know it's a weird schedule. I know it's a weird year, but it's got me disoriented. But Gophers Georgia Tech should be a good one in the second round of the NCAA tournament tonight. That'll do it for me today. We'll have Chris Hine on Friday's show to talk about the Timberwolves and the sale of the team to Alex Rodriguez and Mark Laurie. We'll recap the WNBA draft, and we'll see if the Twins finally get another win. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again tomorrow on Daily Delivery.